Welcome to lecture four uh, in a series on the moral law. We come uh, today to the first commandment uh, and the first lecture on the first commandment from Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. But uh, to begin, let us read from Exodus 20, verses 1 through 17. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, Six days shalt thou labor, and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and hallowed it. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Ascends the reading of God's holy and inspired word. Uh, in introduction, let us just be reminded that uh, we find uh, in Psalm 119.96 that the commandments are exceeding broad. Or as Paul says in Romans, they are wholly just and good, as well as spiritual. Uh, As we've already mentioned, uh, there are uh, oftentimes understood two tables of the law. Uh, That's not to be misunderstood, that of the two tables that Moses carried down from the mount, that there were four commandments on one tablet of stone and six on uh, the next. It is most likely that all ten commandments were on each of the tablets representing a contract or covenant uh, between God uh, and man as two copies uh, of that covenant, just as we would have uh, two copies uh, if we were to enter into a contractual or covenantal agreement with someone, we would have a copy of that agreement as well as the other. Oftentimes we describe the first table as the first four commandments, where we learn about the object, the matter, in in commandment two, then the manner of worship in three, and then the time of worship 
in commandment four. All four commandments focusing upon worship. The object of worship in the first commandment, the matter of worship in the second, the manner of worship in the third, and the time of worship in the fourth. Then come the next six commandments where we learn about the sanctity or the holiness, the separateness of authority in verse in chapter or excuse me, in commandment five, the sanctity of life in the sixth commandment, the sanctity of marriage in the seventh, the sanctity of property in the eighth commandment, the sanctity of name or a good name in the ninth commandment, and then the sanctity of contentment in the tenth commandment. Now we might wonder uh, about the fifth commandment. There is questions about that, but uh, I place it uh, here amongst the second table uh, because I think it's pretty clear from Matthew 19, 18, and 19, as well as Romans 13, 8, uh, that uh, that commandment uh, falls neatly into our duties uh, to one another. Uh, But let's consider uh, also the relationship of the Ten Commandments to the preface Clearly, uh, the preface uh, to the Ten Commandments reveals the object of faith, and the first commandment enjoys the, enjoins the duty of believing on that object of faith, God uh, himself. It's also helpful to be reminded that it is impossible for anyone uh, to partake of the grace of the gospel stated in the preface, uh, but by the way of believing. Uh, And that way of believing is enjoined as a duty uh, in this first commandment. As we read in John 3.18, it's through faith in the only beloved Son of God uh, that we come to know him uh, and know the true uh, and living God, Father, Son, uh, and Holy Spirit. So very important for us to be reminded that the commandments come uh, to us after uh, redemption. Yes, uh, as Paul says, they are that which proceeds. It's through the law that comes conviction of sin, as we read in Romans 3.20. But we also find that the law has a place uh, for the one who has been uh, delivered uh, as a standard of um, holiness, uh, as the transcript of God's holiness uh, for men. Uh, So in this lecture, I hope to discuss the meaning of the commandment, uh, as well as the sins uh, forbidden in the commandment. Next lecture, uh, we will look at the duties uh, required in this commandment. Let's consider the meaning of the commandment. First, we have the object uh, of the command, thou. Uh, Here, uh, this word is in the second person singular. In other words, you, singular, not y'all or a group of people. God would have us from this take Uh, that this commandment is spoken to each of us in particular, as if he mentioned us by name. He's speaking to each and every one of us. You. We have not only the object of the command, we have the command itself. You shall serve or shalt have no other gods. Why should we have no other gods? Well, in Isaiah 45, 5, we read, I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. Why should we have no other gods? Because there are no other gods. Well, what is it to have another God? Uh, James Fisher 
says this. He claims that uh, it is to have our minds, wills, and affections carried out after other objects as much or more than after God himself. So it's having our minds, our wills, our affections, our thoughts, our wills, our emotions or affections carried out after other objects other than God himself. What's the reason annexed or connected to the commandment? I think that's found in the words before me. You see, God sees all things at once in his own essence and in his creation distinctly, infallibly, and immutably. As Flavel says, it notes God's perfect knowledge and abhorrence of all idolatry or worshiping of another God as what he cannot endure to behold. Consider God speaking through the prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel 8.12. Then said he unto me, Son of man, thou hast seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark, every man in the chambers of his imaginary. For they say, The Lord seeth us not. The Lord hath forsaken the earth. You see, so often uh, we can be tempted to sin uh, when we lie to ourselves or accept the lies that Satan throws at us that God does not see uh, what we are doing. Uh, We cannot hide uh, in the chambers. We cannot think uh, that our imagination uh, is like a hidden uh, closet that no one can see, even God. No, God uh, knows even our very innermost thoughts. What kind of influence should this have upon us? Well, first, it should deter us uh, from every sin. Uh, think about the example of Joseph uh, in Genesis 39.9, where uh, tempted uh, to sleep with Potiphar's wife, uh, he's reminded that, well, that would be a sin against Potiphar himself, but ultimately it would be a sin against God uh, who sees everything. Uh, it should also quicken uh, and animate us uh, to every duty, just as uh, we see God uh, commanding Abraham uh, to be affected uh, by the, the fact of God's presence uh, and God's knowledge uh, of all things. Consider Genesis 17, uh, 1, where we read, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me, and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. You see, in the Shorter Catechism, uh, question uh, 48, we read these words. What are we specially taught by these words before me in the first commandment? The answer we find is these words before me in the first commandment teach us that God who seeth all things taketh notice of and is much displeased with the sin of having any other God. Well, That's why Luther in his small uh, catechism uh, as he exposits each of the commandments begins with the, these words we should fear and love God and so 
have no other gods before me. Make no images. We should fear and love God and so remember the Sabbath day. We should fear God and so uh, honor thy father and mother. Uh, We should fear and love God and so not kill. We get the point. It's out of a reverence and a love. Not just fear or reverence, not just love. Both and. We should love and reverence God just as we would um, our parents. Um, So we're to live, uh, as they say in Latin, quorum Deo, uh, in the very presence uh, of God. We've considered the meaning of the commandment. Uh, Let's consider the sins forbidden uh, in the commandment. Again, in question 47 uh, of the Shorter Catechism, Uh, we have uh, this question. Uh, What is forbidden in the first commandment? Uh, The answer is, the first commandment forbiddeth the denying or not worshiping and glorifying the true God as God and the giving of that worship and glory to any other which is due to him alone. What I want us to see here Uh, is really that there are two major sins uh, that are forbidden. The first one being atheism, uh, and the second one being idolatry. What is atheism? It's the denying or not worshiping and glorifying the true God as God. Now this atheism can be both speculative uh, and it can be Practical. In other words, it can first involve the denying of the true God as God. Speculative atheism is a fixed persuasion in the heart and open profession with the mouth. Consider the atheist's words in Psalm 14.1, The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. Failure to believe in God is foolish, we are told in Scripture. Speculative atheism also is a rejection of truths concerning, connected or concerned with the being of God. Consider Psalm 10, verses 4, 11, and 13. We're told there that the atheist has God is not in his thoughts. Well, he hath said in his heart, God hath forgotten He hath hidden his face. He will never see. You see in verse 13, he has said in his heart, Thou wilt not require it. You see, these are the thoughts of the atheist. Uh, We see another um, thought of an atheist in Psalm 50, 21. Thou thoughtest that I was altogether such an one as thyself thinking that God uh, is no more uh, than a man. Um, This is similar to what the deists uh, hold, that somehow God uh, created uh, the world, but um, then has left it uh, to its own devices. Uh, And I would just say at this point that no one is 
uh, absolutely an atheist. For we do read in Romans 1 uh, that that which may be known of God is manifested in them. Uh, though they profess not God, there is a sense of deity, the sensus deitatus that is in uh, each and every one of us because we're made uh, in the image of God. Uh, and so that is really uh, our point of contact with the unbeliever, uh, that they do know uh, that there is a God. And so we can approach them knowing, us knowing that they do truly know that there is a God. And it's our duty uh, to proclaim that God uh, as he has revealed himself uh, in Scripture to us. So we've considered speculative atheism. Now let's consider practical atheism. It's not just uh, denying uh, the true God, but it's not worshiping and glorifying the true God as God. Um, It's not worshiping God. In Romans 3.11 we read, There is none that seeketh after God. Apart from the grace of God, none of us would seek God. We would all be atheists. We would not believe God, nor would we seek him. But it's also not glorifying God. Um, we read in Titus 1.16 of those that profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. Here we find that there are practical atheists even in the church. They claim they know God. They claim to be part of the church of God. They may be members in good standing, have made a public profession of faith, and yet that profession is with their lips only, not with their works. A very important passage for us to remind ourselves that it's not just what we say, uh, regarding uh, Holy Scripture, but it is also how we live. It demonstrates uh, what we say uh, is what we truly believe. So we've considered the first major category uh, of sins forbidden in the commandment, that of atheism. Now let's consider uh, this second uh, large category uh, of sins against uh, the first commandment, and that is the giving of that worship and glory to any other which is due to him alone. Remember, uh, in Matthew 4.10, we have the Lord uh, repeating for us the words of Deuteronomy 6.13, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only, him only shalt thou serve, or bow down to. A very critical uh, distinction there. Uh, for us to uh, consider, uh, as we see uh, two synonyms uh, use that of worship uh, and service uh, as descriptive of how we are to worship uh, God. Also want us to see, now let me just quote for you momentarily, uh, James Durham. Uh, Durham says, An idol is something excessively esteemed of, and idolatry is the transferring of God's due, outwardly or inwardly, to what is not God, whether we esteem it God or not. Uh, In other words, we can serve someone or something else, even though we do not claim 
that that something or someone else is God uh, himself. We are still, uh, in that case, violating uh, the first commandment and making, uh, not serving God only, but serving uh, something else. I would suggest that there are there is such thing as external uh, idolatry, uh, that of the heathen, and first, uh, like as we read in 1 Corinthians 10.20, uh, there we read, The things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils uh, and not uh, to God. You know, there will be some that will be listening uh, to this lecture uh, from uh, the African nation, and certainly uh, you are well aware likely of those who do make sacrifices not to God uh, but to devils, even animal sacrifices and you've certainly heard of those that even make human sacrifices uh, in your nation. Now, this would also uh, apply to the Papist or to the Roman Catholics uh, who uh, fail uh, to give God the worship and glory uh, that's due unto him alone, uh, mainly as they violate uh, the second commandment, they also uh, commit gross violations uh, of the first commandment. But let us focus uh, on eight internal ways in which we uh, commit idolatry. Um, we're told in Ezekiel 14.4 that the idolater setteth up his idols in his heart. Have you ever considered that, that the idolater we set up our images in our heart. Uh, and believers are cautioned against this internal idolatry. This is not something that is just uh, committed by the heathen. This, these are sins uh, that are committed by us, God's people, uh, routinely. Uh, consider uh, 1 John 5.21 where the Apostle John says, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Now let's, let's, let's consider uh, eight uh, idols uh, that we uh, far too often set up uh, in our own hearts. Well, that first idol uh, that we set up in our own hearts is ourself. Ourself. Uh, so often we make ourselves, don't we, our own God. We we believe the world revolves around us. As a matter of fact, we believe the whole universe revolves around us uh, and us alone. Consider uh, Philippians 2.21 where Paul can say, For all seek their own, not the things uh, which are Jesus Christ. There in Philippians 2.21, Paul is comparing Timothy uh, to the rest of his colleagues. Uh, very interestingly, um, he suggests that others that he is training uh, for gospel ministry that are working with him in the furtherance of the gospel, uh, he says uh, they're not like Timothy. He says there's nobody like Timothy uh, because they all uh, seek their own. What he's reminding um, the Philippians is not that he doesn't have a high regard for these men, but what he is suggesting is that we all have uh, far too much of ourselves uh, in our 
service to Christ. And so as Paul seeks to encourage those uh, in Philippi to be to have the mind of Christ, uh, uh, to let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, letting them esteem each other better than themselves. He calling them uh, to selflessness, uh, to die to self, uh, and to live uh, for uh, the service of God, uh, and thus the service of others. The self, um, first category of internal idolatry that we so often commit. Our first idol is uh, clearly ourselves. Secondly, uh, I would really say suggest that the next seven categories can be summed up under the world. These are internal um, gods that we make uh, in our own hearts, uh, as we read in Ezekiel 14, 4. Uh, consider the words, of, again, of the Apostle John in 1 John uh, two fifteen: Love not the world, neither the things of the world, If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Uh, Here, John describes the world not as just things that are physical, but a philosophy of life, um, life uh, under the sun, not under God, uh, a life lived without God uh, in in the thoughts, in the presence. Um, love not the world, neither the things of the world. Don't put your trust uh, in creation, but rather uh, in the Creator. This does not mean we cannot appreciate uh, and enjoy uh, the delights of creation. We can enjoy uh, the beauty of creation. Uh, we can uh, enjoy Uh, good food and good drink. We can uh, enjoy the the beautiful art of God in the creation. We can enjoy relationships and the like, but they cannot become uh, our gods. Well, consider then these seven categories of worldly internal idolatry. First, riches, then pleasures, then honor, then relationships, then lawful means, uh, then men themselves, and then even the devil. Seven things in the world that we can easily set up in our own hearts as idols uh, and commit this sin. First, consider riches. Uh, in Colossians uh, 3 5, uh, Paul tells us that covetousness is idolatry. In other words, he takes the 10th commandment and swings it all the way back and says, breaking the 10th commandment uh, is, in fact, breaking uh, the first. Uh, when we covet uh, someone's authority by breaking the 5th commandment, we break the 10th. And we break the first. When we uh, covet someone's life, we break not only the sixth commandment, but the tenth and the first. You see, the commandments are intimately connected. 
And so that's why James can say when we break one of the commandments, we've broken the whole thing. Uh, We have um, raised our hand against God. We have not been pleased with his law. When we break any one of his laws, we show that we really do not and are not prepared to submit to his authority uh, in any of those things. Uh, Not only do we see worldliness uh, set up in our heart in riches, we also see it set up uh, in pleasures. Secondly, um, in 2 Timothy 3.4, we read that many are lovers of pleasures more uh, than lovers of God. Again, as I said, that's not to say that we can't enjoy uh, the pleasures of God's creation, uh, but we cannot love them more than our God. Uh, Paul tells us in Philippians 3.19 that though of these kind of people who love pleasures more than God, he says their end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. You see, God is their belly. God has become their pleasure. Their pleasures are their God. And they glory in their pleasures rather than being shamed and having shame for their pleasures. Oftentimes, we in the West are told that in Africa there's a shame culture and we need to work to break that down. And I understand that fully. And yet at the same time, I have to wonder... Uh, is it the fact that we in the West have no shame? We have a no-shame culture. And yet I believe a biblical culture has a proper view of shame. We are to be ashamed of our sins against God, uh, and particularly those heinous crimes uh, that we commit against God uh, in the sight of men uh, that are shameful Uh, and are destructive not only to ourselves but to others uh, and even to our society uh, as a whole. So internal idolatry, self, we make ourselves our gods. We also oftentimes make the world riches, pleasures, God. We can also uh, even make honor a God. Uh, We can be so concerned about our good name as to make our good name God uh, itself. I have to admit that I have found uh, this temptation myself uh, very, very often uh, falls upon me, particularly when you come into the gospel ministry. Uh, You want to have a good name. Uh, You want to fulfill... um, the example that you are to set out for God's people is uh, character, characterized in First uh, Timothy chapter three, uh, and so it's so important uh, to have a good name and to, to have be honorable. Um, certainly, uh, Paul calls Timothy even at a young age uh, to not do anything that would cause people to despise his authority, uh, and yet. Uh, Jesus can uh, say uh, to the apostle, to the excuse me, to the Pharisees uh, in John uh, five forty four, uh, those who are disbelieving. He says, "How can you believe 
which receive honor one of another, and seek not the honor that cometh from God only. In other words, he says, uh, these Pharisees can't believe because they're so concerned with receiving other men's honor that they're ill-prepared, they're unprepared to accept God's truth as it is revealed to them because they're thinking about what others will think about them if they receive that word. Men, I want to tell you that too often you, got, you hold back from preaching God's word, his whole word, pure and entire, his whole counsel, because of fear of how you will be received. Uh, way too often we as ministers do that. It's shameful. Uh, we should not make honor our God. We should not be seeking uh, the applause of men above the applause or the honor that cometh from God. Help us to see. Uh, that seeking other men's honor is itself uh, idolatry. I now consider another uh, internal form of idolatry, another idol uh, that we set up in our heart, and that is the idol of relationships. The idol of relationships. Friends, family, uh, that we want so desperate to maintain that we are prepared uh, to not worship God as we ought. Now consider the words of Jesus in Matthew 10, uh, 37. There he says, He that loveth father or mother more than me uh, is not worthy of me. Uh, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me uh, is not worthy of me. Are we to love our father and our mother? Most certainly. Are we to love our son and daughters, most certainly. We are to keep the fifth commandment. But we are not to keep it in such a way that we would idol- we would make idols of our parents or of our children or of friends. We must be prepared to serve God and as we say in America, let the chips fall where they may. Uh, let relationships be broken if they must. Um, certainly we are to pursue peace with all men, uh, as uh, the Apostle says in uh, Hebrews uh, but and in Romans. But we cannot um, make that uh, dictate how we behave, what we say or what we do. So we've seen uh, several internal idols that are set up in the heart. First self, then idols of the world, idols of riches, pleasures, honor, relationships. Um, These all are really idols that I believe Solomon um, came in his own life to see or idols in his own hearts, as he describes uh, in uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, how he tried power uh, and pleasures uh, and popularity uh, and power uh, and found them all lacking. Uh, And at the end, uh, he concludes uh, 
in, I believe, his letter of repentance, something akin to David's um, Psalms of repentance in Psalm 32 and in Psalm 51 uh, and Psalm 130. I believe that's why um, those that compiled the Old Testament put uh, the book of the Song of Songs right after um, the book of Ecclesiastes, after Solomon had given his repentance, uh, revealed it uh, through that book, uh, coming to the conclusion that at the end of the matter uh, we must fear God and keep his commandments. Uh, he then, uh, they, they then placed the book of the Song of Songs, that great, greatest song, that song of relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, an intimate, a personal relationship with the Savior. Uh, so we've considered uh, four uh, types of worldliness that we uh, are idols that we establish, that we set up in our hearts, riches, pleasures, honor, relationships. Now let's consider the last three. Lawful means. Lawful means. Consider the words of our God uh, through Jeremiah the prophet in Jeremiah 17.5. There we read, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. You see, God has established means of grace. The study of his word, of prayer, um, the participation in the sacraments of baptism uh, and the Lord's Supper, uh, participation in the ordinances of Christ through corporate worship, but these themselves do not sanctify us apart from the grace of God. Um, And we can too often uh, trust in these means and go about them uh, with the arm of flesh. Uh, Too often uh, in the pastoral ministry, it is so easy for us as ministers to be so busy uh, teaching the word um, and preparing to teach the word publicly and privately Uh, that we fail to give sufficient time uh, to prayer uh, to our God, pleading with him to assist us in our study uh, and in our public ministry. Um, And too often we make arm the flesh. Um, But we are told we'll be cursed. Um, There will be no um, blessing uh, to the one uh, who trusts uh, in man. Also, we can make an idol of men. Uh, in 1 Corinthians one twenty four, uh, Paul says uh, to the Corinthians, Not that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy, for by faith ye stand. Uh, here Paul uh, speaks very authoritatively to the Corinthian church and yet he says at the end of the day I'm not having dominion over your faith Uh, you have to stand by faith uh, not by some implicit trust uh, in me Uh, he says he's a helper of their joy Uh, certainly true faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, an unwillingness to um, 
be under the boot of an authoritarian brings us much joy. Um, God, through the prophet Jeremiah, in uh, Jeremiah 5.31, says, The priests rule by their own means, their own means, and my people love uh, to have it so. You see, it should not surprise us that many uh, in Africa are prepared to submit uh, to the big man, uh, to the chieftain, who, to uh, the pastor uh, of congregations who have established congregations as business propositions, uh, as uh, places where they can assert their authority uh, and make a little bit of money on the sa- at the same time. Uh, they love to rule by their own means. They are not ruling uh, in submission uh, to God. Uh, they are not his ambassadors. They are false prophets. Um, they rule by their own means. But uh, God is prepared to say through Jeremiah that oftentimes his people love to have it so. Uh, too often we desire to have someone tell us uh, how to live rather than uh, us uh, have to take the pains of prayerful study uh, of your word, of God's word, uh, to guide us uh, to these things. To have considered a number of idols, let me consider another idol, and that is the devil uh, himself. Yes, there are those that do worship the devil uh, who have made him their gods. Consider the words of Leviticus 26. I'll read verse 5 and 6. I will set my face against that man and against his family and will cut him off and all that go a whoring after him to commit whoredoms with Molech from among their people. And the soul that trust turneth after such as have familiar spirits and after wizards to go a whoring after them. I will even set my face against that soul and will cut him off from among my people. You see, uh, when uh, those uh, uh, in African traditional religions go uh, towards those that would uh, give them uh, witch doctors and the like, wizards and those with familiar spirits, they go a-whoring. Uh, They go after other gods. They go after the devil himself. uh, And God is clear. uh, They will be cut off from among uh, his people. Uh, What we're to understand uh, is that that is excommunication. Um, And remember uh, from uh, Matthew 16, Matthew 18 we learn, and 16, uh, that God has delegated uh, the keys of the kingdom to of the apostles and then to ministers uh, in coming generations uh, to enact on earth what God has enacted uh, in heaven. And very sober words concerning those that would seek uh, to mix uh, African traditional religions uh, and Christianity. Uh, we see that that cannot be done uh, and that those that do so uh, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Very, very serious uh, matters uh, in this regard. Uh, Having considered 
the meaning of the commandment uh, and the sins forbidden in the first commandment, let's just briefly look at three uh, applications. I hope uh, from this study that you've seen the sin of worshiping false gods. In Psalm 16:4, we read, Their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. The results of seeking after another God are sorrow. Let us be uh, clear uh, on that matter. Uh, what sorrow it brings to a parent's heart uh, to see their children sometimes running after false gods uh, and bringing sorrow and sorrow upon themselves and thus sorrow upon uh, their parents, their, their siblings, and others uh, who love them dearly. Secondly, let's consider the horribleness of living without the knowledge of God. Now consider the words of uh, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 2.12. Uh, he speaks there of uh, a time when the Ephesians were without Christ, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. It's just so horrible living a life without God in the world, being without Christ, being outside of the commonwealth of the people of God being a stranger from the covenant of promise. Help us to see the horribleness of living without the knowledge of God. Thirdly, having seen the sin of worshiping false gods, the horribleness of living without the knowledge of God, let us see, thirdly, the special mercy to be brought forth in a land where the true God is known and worshipped. What a mercy it is to live in a nation where God's word prevails, where God's word dominates. Um, what is so sad about uh, America and its fall over the last 30 years uh, is uh, that we are departing uh, from the word of God. We're departing from God and not listening to him as a nation. But let us remember the great blessing that was shown to Israel and is shown to any nation who submits to God. In Psalm 147, 20, read, He hath not dealt so with any nation. And as for his judgments, they have not known them. Praise ye the Lord. Yes, there's no other nation but the people of God. This nation that's made up of all tribes, kindreds, and tongues. What a blessed nation. What a blessed people. I just... Well, this past weekend with my wife, spent a weekend at a conference with uh, those uh, from Liberia who were able uh, to leave uh, during the war or at the beginning of the outbreak of the Civil War uh, and how those people still have a great love for their nation. But what is so interesting is, although they are black and I am white, as soon as we met, met as soon as we meet these people, we see the family resemblance the family of God, the resemblance of the family of God in one another. With what love uh, and appreciation do we have for one another uh, and a growing love for one another. Um, many, in our, many in our media seek to convince those of us in this nation and those throughout the world 
uh, that there is a great degree of racism uh, in our country. Uh, but let me tell you uh, that, that there, though there is some racism in our country, there's much less today uh, than ever before, and the media uh, is actually stirring it up. But this, this is not the case amongst God's people in America. Uh, we love one another. We recognize we're all of the same race. Uh, and uh, we have much to learn from one another. Uh, so, uh, in closing, let us see uh, three applications regarding uh, the meaning and uh, the uh, violations of the first commandment. The sin of worshiping false gods the horribleness of living without the knowledge of God, and the special mercy uh, that comes upon the people of God and any nation uh, that would serve the true uh, and the living God.